0: and welcome to your favourite teacher. So I'm going to do a series of podcasts today just in preparation of the literature exam, literature paper one. Um, As for anyone who's listening in real time, that exam is tomorrow. Ah, So it is the 14th um, of May 2019. And as I said, we're going to be doing a series of podcasts just today working through extracts that you might expect to see tomorrow. So Literature Paper 1, um, for those of you who don't know, Literature Paper 1 examines Shakespeare in its first half and then it in section B it looks at a uh, pre-19th century text. Now I'm going to do a few separate podcasts um, and this one is going to be starting with Macbeth. So when you open up your paper, you're quite fortunate with Literature Paper 1. So even though the texts are uh, tend to be more challenging because the language is older and it's using um, less vocabulary that you're used to, and certainly with Shakespeare, um, his style of writing is not something that you read in your average Harry Potter novel. Um, but... The really good thing about this paper is that you are given an extract. Now, I'm not going to tell you what you need to revise, um, that's something that you should have been doing yourself, and that's something where there's lots of material available on our website, um, yourfavoriteacher.com, um, which should help you through the course um, for your revision. What I'm going to do today is I'm just going to look at some extracts and how you tackle those extracts. So, I'm going to take a little pencil and um, I'm going to imagine that this is unseen and I'm seeing this question, I'm seeing this extract and I'm just going to pick out a few key things to talk about for a few different extracts for some different texts that you might see in literature paper one. So, this is the following question. So, here we go. Read the following extract from Act 3, Scene 2, and then answer the question that follows. At this point in the play, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth are in a conversation. They feel insecure in their position as king and queen. So, interesting thing to take here is the fact that they feel insecure in their position. And then before we read the extract, please excuse the ambulance that's going on behind. (laughs) I thought St Albans was a safe place to live. Starting with this extract, write about how Shakespeare's how Shakespeare presents Macbeth as a troubled character. Write about how Shakespeare presents Macbeth in this extract and how Shakespeare presents Macbeth in the play as a whole. Now, I'm not going to be talking about Macbeth in the play as a whole. That's revision that you're going to have to look at yourself. I'm just going to talk through the extract in front of me and the things that I would pick out. So two key things um, before we start then is I'm going to be looking for insecurity in this conversation and um, in particular Macbeth being troubled because those are the two things that uh, the examiner has asked you to draw your attention to. So here's the extract, I'll read it through first, I um, think it's probably best for you to have a copy of this yourself Um, but here we go, it's from Act 3, Scene 2, Macbeth. We have scorched the snake, not killed it. She'll close and be herself whilst our poor malice remains in danger of her former tooth. But let the frame of things disjoint, both the world suffer. Ere we will eat our meal in fear and sleep in the affliction of these terrible dreams that shake us nightly. Better be with the dead, whom we to gain our peace have sent to peace, than on the torture of the mind to lie, in restless ecstasy, Duncan in his grave, after life's fitful fever he sleeps well, treason has done his worst, nor steel nor poison, malice domestic, domestic, foreign levy, nothing can touch him further, and Lady Macbeth. Come on, gentle, my lord. Sleek, oh, your rugged looks. Be bright and jovial amongst your guests tonight. So let's have a look at what Macbeth is saying and what things might point towards him being a troubled character. Now, as with, as with all of Shakespeare, there are going to be lots of things that you're like, what on earth does that mean? But you just need to pick out things that you do know what it means. And things that you think, actually, when you're just skimming through this extract, what things might, be, have, might have negative connotations or show in particular trouble. So I'm just going to really quickly, just before I go through line by line, I'm going to instantly see snake. That's always something that's, that's bad. We've got the word danger. What other things straight away? Dead torture, restless, grave, fever, steel, poison. Okay, so Macbeth has said a number, I've not even read the sentences properly, but I can just, from skimming and scanning, I've found some words that seem quite troubling. And that's your best starting point. If you're looking for something that's to do with how Macbeth is presented... Shakespeare is going to be using troubling vocabulary. He's going to be using things that have connotations of danger. He's going to be using imagery that shows how frightened or um, guilty or nervous Um, Macbeth is feeling and certainly we know that he's insecure in his position as king because that's what we've been told at the start of this question so we have scorched the snake so I would talk about here certainly the fact that snake is mentioned in the first line snake is something that's used repeatedly um, throughout Shakespeare's writing um, but in particular that phrase about um, be the serpent underneath it even if you can't remember exactly word for word you know that this imagery of a snake has been used before and in this instance he says we have scorched the snake not killed it what he's saying is is that the, the fear, the treachery, um, isn't over. And um, what they've done, it's almost like them saying, oh, they've prodded the beast. Well, actually, they, they needed to kill the snake and they've not done it. They, they still think that they're in danger, they haven't. He's basically saying, you know what, we haven't actually got away with this just yet. But even if you don't know that straight away, you can talk straight away about how snake has connotations of deception. It's something that's biblical. We have the, um, you know, the snake that tempts them in the Bible and basically damns all of humanity. So snake is something to pick out straight off the bat. It's something that's troubling. If you think of a snake, it's scary. It's sinister. And Shakespeare's using this reference to show Macbeth being troubled. She'll close and be herself whilst our poor malice remains in danger of her former tooth. He's still using this extended metaphor of the snake, basically saying that they are still in danger. And Macbeth's even saying it himself. So if you want to think about how Shakespeare shows Macbeth is troubled, Macbeth is blatantly telling his wife, we remain in danger. So we can see that he's troubled from his dialogue that he's having with his wife. Um... Here we will eat our meal in fear and sleep in the affliction of these terrible dreams that shake us nightly. Here we have a straightaway um, a reference to um, a lack of sleep. Now, again, like a snake, um, having sleep is something that is constantly used by Shakespeare, by writers absolutely everywhere. If you have a disrupted night's sleep or you can't sleep or something's plaguing your sleep, The idea is basically that your mind is troubled. So when you can't sleep, your mind is troubled for some reason or another. And he's saying affliction of these terrible dreams. Well, the writing here, we've got terrible dreams. That's a nightmare. Now, we all know that nightmares are troubling. So if you need to think about how Shakespeare's presenting Macbeth is troubling, you can say Shakespeare demonstrates that Macbeth is having nightmares. And you can see that evidence right there they shake us nightly better to be with the dead so he's so um he's so on edge that he actually thinks do you know what I'd rather just be in peace and be dead and have it all be over with um, than on the torture of the mind so the verb here to torture that Shakespeare's using Shakespeare's saying that Macbeth is being tortured mentally by what he's going through his guilt his um his feelings of fear that his position is not secure so straight so straight away we can see um, by picking out words like snake danger terrible dreams dead torture um that the vocabulary that's being used here all suggests Macbeth is troubled so whether it is that you want to be saying that he presents him through the use of extended metaphors that being the snake um that being um poor having having nightmares. Or maybe it's in um the verb of torture. As I said, this is extreme. A torture is something that has huge connotations of of troubling um of something that's really, really troubling. He's restless. Again, he peace is something that he he that is long gone. And he actually repeats peace um twice here in the line above the torture, whom we to gain our peace have sent to peace. Peace, by repeating peace here, is obviously something that Macbeth is yearning for, and Shakespeare's presenting that through the use of the repetition. Um Duncan in his grave, so we've got a reminder here of, of Ma- what Macbeth has done and his deeds that have caused him to be so troubling. So, um, you know, even in Macbeth's discussion with his wife, he's He's again talking about Duncan he's talking about the grave these are things that are haunting him that are causing him nightmares and he's referring to them in this conversation with his wife so this reference here to Duncan in his grave shows that he's not over it obviously you're not really it's not something that you expect to be over quite quickly you know killing someone certainly killing a king um but again by referencing it here in this extract you can talk about why that is troubling him um, again, fever, steel, poison, all of these words. Um, so fever and poison, say so fever obviously is an illness, it's something that you could say is troubling, so it's actually physically harming him. Um, and we see that physicality with the lack of sleep. Again, poison, He, you know, just even by having these words near to each other, by him using the words like poison, it obviously shows that this is something, an evil that has spread in him. Um, so there's so much there, there's what, five, about 15 lines from, from Macbeth, um, that he's saying to his wife, so we can believe that, uh, what he's saying to his wife is something that he feels uh, quite truthfully at this point, that they're in, they're in this together, um, so he's being quite honest with his wife, um, and he shows, like, a jealousy of, of Duncan, nothing can touch him further, um, is, is the last thing he says to his wife, and what that really implies is, unlike them so Duncan it's done he's you know he's in his grave nothing more can harm him and what the implication is is that actually we've come so far we've got a long way to fall so what you need to take then is you need to take this extract that you've been given and talk about it in the way that I've talked about different things but you need to then think about the way in which Macbeth can fall. And you can link it to other points in the play by talking about how Macbeth became a troubled character. So his deeds, and that's quite easy to do because all you really need to know there is the plot. Macbeth goes on a killing spree. You can then show, um, as he becomes troubled, um, how his actions then spiral. And again, you don't need to know quotes, you know, completely word for word, but you can talk about how his insanity um, and... the troubling how troubled he is comes out so it comes out in the ghost of banquo um for his wife it comes out um in the form of sleeplessness and we see that again with um you can refer to that because of the sleep here um it also comes out in in the fact that he goes on another murderous rampage and tries to kill anyone who he considers to be a threat so there's lots of things here it's clear that macbeth is a troubled character and when you look at the end of the play macbeth really does um show himself to uh to have completely crumbled um one of the things that he says is how you know life is a stage and blah 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 and it's signifying nothing um and and Macbeth really has lost control of himself and um him he is troubled by his actions and i think that's the important thing that you need to look at is the way in which um that's presented by shakespeare so and there's so many things here in in this small extract so it's act three scene two I will be putting a picture of this um up with the podcast um but if you're an iTunes listener you don't see that so I will also be putting it on our Instagram which is your favorite teacher so I'm just going to do another Macbeth extract and then I'll finish um this podcast this is uh from act five scene five and, the quest, and it says, um, Macbeth is waiting for the English army to attack his castle. And the question is, starting with this extract, write about how Shakespeare presents Macbeth's state of mind write about how Shakespeare presents Macbeth's state of mind in this extract and how Shakespeare presents Macbeth's state of mind in the play as a whole. Now, the reason why I've chosen this extract is actually because there's lots of things that you can talk about, um, for link between the two. So the last extract we looked at was the, tr- how troubling, uh, how troubled he was. And here we're looking at his state of mind. Obviously it's going to be fairly troubled, So, um, but again, I'm not going to talk about the state of mind in the play as a whole, although listening to the start of this podcast can certainly give you some good reference points. So we're just going to go through this extract. um, And we're looking for things to do with his state of mind. Now, um, I'll read it through first and then I'll go through it. So, Macbeth. She should have died hereafter. There would have been a time for such a word. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Tomorrow creeps in this petty place from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time and all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death out out brief candle life's but a walking shadow a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more it is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing Then it says enter a messenger thou comest to use thy tongue thy story quickly okay so this has to be one of my favorite parts of the play um i just think that the last few lines there they give me chills every time i read them um but that is because I'm a bit of an English nerd. So let's go through it then, and let's think about his state of mind. What is he thinking about? Remember, this is at the end. He It says in the question just before, Macbeth is waiting for the English army to attack his castle. This is like impending doom right now. So what you need to look for is how he feels just at that point of collapse. I was watching Game of Thrones last night, and... Um, Spoiler, so Cersei's standing from her tower and she's watching and I imagine she's feeling a similar way to how Macbeth is feeling right now. Um, So, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty place from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. What he's really talking about here, this is all a bit confusing, But, but having this reference of tomorrow and tomorrow and day to day shows kind of an inevitability of time and it also shows fate and his lack of control of it um the fact that tomorrow and tomorrow and for Macbeth we know that tomorrow never comes because he's going to be killed but perhaps he's contemplating that as well that there'll be no more tomorrows for him but yes but there will be tomorrows to the last syllable of recorded time it's quite poetic last syllable of recorded time Um, So I'm underlining that there to talk about here. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to to dusty death. Now, if you don't really know what exactly that means, you can think about here lighted fools. So to call somebody a fool, what he's really saying is maybe that people are laughing at at his yesterday. Um, Perhaps that's a way that you could interpret it. Um, But also the way to dusty death shows that all of these yesterdays are just coming to the same thing death out out brief candle now this out out i like because i'm remember i know i said i wouldn't talk about the rest of the play but this is definitely something that we can draw with his wife as well so her state of mind right before she kills herself where she is frantically trying to wash the blood from her hands and she says out damn spot out i say i still remember this from school and i remember my english teacher um furiously sort of pretending to wash her hands and say this so i've will always remember that out out so that's an interesting thing to talk about but here he's talking about the candle going out and that candle there is a metaphor for his life and he calls it a brief candle and it's a candle and we've got the exclamation mark there so out out brief candle he knows that his life is coming to an end is there an acceptance there perhaps life is but a walking shadow Oh gosh, this is just so like philosophical here. Um, but Macbeth, in this state of mind, um, it's not so troubled as it was um, in the extract we looked at earlier. It's almost an acceptance. Um, he's like taking a step back and he's thinking about what his life is, what it's amounted to. Life is but a walking shadow. So a walking shadow here um, again you could say that um you know we've got some juxtaposition here we've certainly got personification because shadows can't walk shadows can't really do much of anything they follow um the actions of a human being um and he feels that he has had as as little control on his life as a shadow does um which is quite quite sad Um, quite a moving thing to think there a poor player again player we've got this reference to a game and then later on we've got stage and the fact that he struts and frets in his hour so he's worrying over these things um but really he is just a chess piece in this game of life um so he frets upon the stage and then is heard no more so again here we've got again symbolizing death so we've got sort of death being referenced by the fact that he's not going to have a tomorrow, last syllable of recorded time, we've got the candle going out and we've got um, him being heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury. This is what he's talking about, his life. He's reflecting on his life and he's he's made loads of waves and he's made lots of action and he's had lots of fury. And then our last little thing from him, signifying nothing this is one of those quotes I mean good god try and remember it because signifying nothing just sums up um the the end of Macbeth it is this journey that he's gone on and he's believing in this in this extract he is sort of thinking out loud about how pointless and futile his entire existence was um which is a really positive note. I mean, you don't have much sympathy for him because he is a bit of a murderer, but I still think that that's a poignant moment that Shakespeare puts in there, this Macbeth saying about how it signifies nothing. So linking this to his state of mind then, well, his state of mind, he is obviously given up. Um, He has a a certain point, point of acceptance i think perhaps um he's certainly regretful over his actions um but also we've got um the fact that he believes that life is pointless and his life and his actions and the pain that he has caused and um the the ordeals and the disruption of the natural order because remember there's a hugely religious time and he's killed a king and that is just you know, he has done all of these things, but really, like he said, told by an idiot. This is what he thinks of himself. Um, And I think if we think of the, his state of mind in the play as a whole, Macbeth goes on a huge journey of brave, um, brave at the start, noble, sacrificing all of his principles um, in the in the search for power gaining power and then in the attempt to hold on to it again just getting more and more troubled and unstable and then ending up with no power at all and an acceptance that he has nothing and he has nothing um nothing despite how hard he's worked for it and not hard he's not worked hard in a good way by all means but it was pointless he was a puppet on a string and in this case, you know, you can talk about, um, you could link it to his state of mind and how he perhaps shows that he's been manipulated by um, the witches and the prophecies. Um, his state of mind having found out that his wife has just died. His state of mind now that he's here waiting to die. Um, and that's kind of what this point in the play is. Um, it's, you know, the the army is approaching and he's just at a loss for... Um, really an understanding and a motivation to to continue on this journey. Okay, so I've talked through two extracts for Macbeth, um, and I'll be back going through some different extracts for other texts for literature paper one. I hope you found this helpful. I'm Miss Meeks with your favourite teacher.